Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you all here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and the CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. Make sure to click on the links on my show link, or email me at michelle.zou@ptcgconsulting.com. And I always welcome you connect me on LinkedIn. Today we have Alex Liu on the show together with me, and we are going to talk about the upcoming Chinese New Year, which is on February 16th. Besides talking about the Chinese New Year, we are also going to talk about the subculture in China. So, Alex, could you please first introduce yourself to our audience? Ah,、uh, sure. Hello, everyone, and、uh, first of all, and say Happy New Year, Happy Chinese New Year, if you happen to celebrate the Chinese New Year in your town. And、um, myself is the、uh, was born in Hong Kong and brought up in mainland China, and I came to America to get my MBA. At the Thunderbird School in Glendale, Arizona. So that's already more than 30 years ago. So ever since then, I work have been working for、um, American small, medium, and large-sized companies, trying to promote the international business, particularly Asia Pacific, of course, where I I'm very more you know、uh, familiar with and.、Um, Knowing quite a bit about the, the cultures、um, in this region, and、uh, in the past、uh, 16 years, I'm more focused on the doing the business in China for my tech corporation,、um, leading a team of、um, 10, 20 people, and to source the products, as well as the、uh, trying to promote our products inside China. And in Asia Pacific, and our company also、um, doing both. So that's why the、um, when come to the marketing, and、uh, so it's a quite a bit different because our group has two divisions. One is a commercial business, commercial audio, and commercial audio is for like、um, office buildings and hotels and. Airports. Actually, in China, we have a, quite a few of the airports use our、um, digital,、um, say, digital PA system. But actually, it's not the PA. It's、uh, more like a communication system for the airports. And that's the commercial business. And also, we have a traditional. Everyone is pretty familiar with is uh, uh, consumer audio products, which is as a car and、uh, home audios. So. Uh, that's been very challenging. Even though I, you know, mostly my life was living in this part of the region, and uh, still um, to trying to promote the American product in the region in the competitive market,、um, it's a very very、uh, challenging work. So I hope、uh, this is、uh, you know what I've been. And、throughout this, of course, I we need to,、um, in order to effectively do the business here, and we have to respect the different、uh, cultures in the Asia Pacific region.、Mm-hmm. So that's that's what the, my、um, my take through these thirty years experience. Yeah, I remember the first time we met.、Mm-hmm. I think we were on an airplane, or we are. We were waiting for an airplane in somewhere.、Um, and Chicago, we, Chicago. Oh, Chicago! 
<laughs> yeah, because both of us, we came from, uh, at that time I was wor- working for a Boston Acoustics, the company based out of the uh, Peabody, Massachusetts. So I took the plane from uh, Logan Airport and make a transit in Chicago and continue to Hong Kong. So, and you were on your way for your first trip to Hong Kong. Yes. So that's where we met. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. so you and I both are the uh, the kind of people um, flying a lot across the Pacific Ocean almost uh, every quarter or even more <laughs> more frequently. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Seasoned traveler. <laughs> that's right. Um, and I know you from you know what I know about you. You have lived in multiple places in China. Um, and you are not just uh, you know claiming as a Chinese. I would uh, kind of describe you as a person that uh, you have been into many different places in mm-hmm. the Asia Asian uh, region and uh, inside uh, and lived in many different places inside China. So um, and you speak multiple dialects. <laughs> That's very impressive, by the way. <laughs> Not as many as uh, lots of uh, uh, Southeast Asian Chinese. They they speak a couple more normally. Yes, but uh-huh. um, in in China there's um, mainly you know from the dictionaries. They, from the dictionary they always say there are four major dialects. One's a Mandarin. Mm-hmm. One's a Wu dialect. Wu dialect and W U. Wu dialect is the Yangtze River Delta area. The people speak Wu dialect. And then you have uh, Cantonese. Cantonese, obviously, is the Pearl Delta area, and also you have a Hokkien. Hokkien, actually, within Hokkien, there are a lot of uh, sub-dialects, which the people speak those dialects cannot understand each other at, at all. Northern Hokkien and uh, Southern Fujian, they're different. So, but uh, when they say Fujian, mainly it's for Mingnan. Mingnan is the, the people also call the Taiwanese. So Taiwan people speak Mingnan, and Mingnan is uh, more vastly spoken in Southeast Asia as well. So that's that's the one dialect which I don't speak. <laughs> I do speak another <laughs> so three. You speak so. <laughs> three out, out of three. Three out of four. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. only speak one. <laughs> I only speak Mandarin now. <laughs> if you speak Mandarin and Shandong dialect, right? Oh no, I I don't speak the Shandong uh, uh, dialect. Okay. I, I, yeah, I grew up. Uh, in a place where we all speak Mandarin, so <laughs> um, okay. my parents speak uh, the Shandong dialect. Too. So in my home, uh-huh. uh, I'm speaking Mandarin, and my parents are speaking uh-huh. uh, the Shandong dialect. Uh, the conversation goes like that. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. 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 So maybe you can help us to um, get a flavor of these different dialects. Just, just let's say, because the Chinese New Year is coming, so uh, we say the greetings. Um, like mm-hmm. a ch- a happy New Year kind of thing, mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. in my Mandarin we say, mm-hmm. well, the the normal way or the more common way people say just to say 过年好. Mm-hmm. And uh, how 过年好. Does, yeah, 过年好. How do you say it in mm-hmm. other dialects? Can you try it? Well, nowadays it's uh, 过年好. It's uh, nowadays people like to say the uh, more fancy, right? 恭喜发财, oh, right? 恭喜发财, yeah. that, that's more for uh, wishing you uh, make a fortune, right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a more common, uh, it's easier to see the a difference the, uh, between the dialects. Ah, 恭喜发财, that's in Mandarin, right? Yes. So, Shanghai dialect, Shanghai dialect, 恭喜发财. <laughs> uh, so you can hear the difference. 恭喜发财. Like, 恭喜发财. Okay. Uh, 恭喜发财, uh, Cantonese is a gong hei fa choi. Gong hei fa choi. So that's quite different. And then I always like to tell people my, my, the, the story I had. That was a long, long time ago, uh, more than 30, almost 40 years ago, when I was traveling um, in China in the river, uh, Yellow, Yellow Mountain, Huangshan. And I met a guy from Hong Kong. And at that time, even though I was born in Hong Kong, but because I left Hong Kong when I was seven, so I totally forgot the Cantonese, or barely understand any Cantonese. So <laughs> the, the guy I met, he was asking me for direction. And obviously, I can tell he was you know, using his hand gesture. 
and but I couldn't understand at all what I mean. I, I knew what the actually I understood him more than he understood me. He couldn't understand Mandarin, so two of us couldn't figure out how to communicate. And finally, I did say, I said, "Do you speak English?" And then he said, "Yes, I do speak English." So then two Chinese, and both were in China, and we had to use English to communicate. So that was the story. <laughs> how different the dialect can be. So, yeah.、Um, By the way, people in Hong Kong,、mm-hmm. they all speak English. Is that correct? Or they their education?、Um, uh-huh. Well, yeah, by education. But after 1997, things changed, and because some people say now become the sovereignty with China, and then the Mandarin should be the dialect, should be the、uh, mandatory class. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, yeah, and, and also.、Um, They actually challenge some English schools. You know, those schools they teach English. I mean, they teach the, all subjects in English. So basically, English language skill. I mean, it's not only language. Sorry, it's not language class, but they use English to communicate within the school. And, and they had a, a huge debate at the time. So, of course, the Mandarin side wins.、Um, so that's why it's a pity. You know. Hong Kong people's English level is much much lower now because I returned back to Hong Kong in '88, 1988, and at that time I start picking up my Cantonese. So that's why I, on the street, when I go out, I still prefer speak English、mm. uh, because Mandarin was not well, you know, was not、uh, well accepted and, and well understood. In so, 1988, at that time.、Uh-huh. Yeah, 1988. I still can use lots of English to communicate, but now whenever I get a junk phone call, you know, not junk phone call. I don't want to use that word.、Uh, receive those、uh, cold call for marketing purpose,、mm-hmm. and I I don't need to say anything. But if I start talking in English, they immediately say, "Oh, wrong number." <laughs> <laughs> so they just、uh, hang up. So in other words, those telemarketers they cannot even handle the limited English just to to earn their money. So, so what you are saying is,、uh, before 1997,、uh, the schools in Hong Kong they use many of them use English as the、uh, official language or the、uh, first language to teach classes. Then、uh, after that,、uh, starting to use、uh, Mandarin. And the young people today in Hong Kong, they can speak、mm-hmm. Mandarin. Some of them,、uh, their English level goes down、uh, just compared to、um, years ago. Your generation. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah.、Mm. Well, just the, when the Mandarin level goes up and the English level goes down. Okay.、So. All right. <laughs> So、uh, yeah. China is so big, and we just talked a little bit about、uh, you know the four major dialects. But、uh, even within、mm-hmm. each region, there's many different languages.、Um, it's、mm-hmm. hard to understand each other sometimes. But Mandarin、mm-hmm. is the one official language that、uh, almost everybody can understand, including Hong Kong and Taiwan, because Taiwan speaks、uh, mm-hmm. you know very close. They, they also speak、uh, the、Correct. official language is Mandarin. So、um, now let's go back. A little bit to business, because I want to、mm-hmm. uh, help people understand、um, not just the cultural side,、uh, um, but、um, mm-hmm. you're more focused on the business side. Maybe、mm-hmm. from your own company,、uh, no matter the companies you worked before or the current one,、uh, with this、mm-hmm. such a big market, how do you divide the regions、uh, for your?、Uh, and you mentioned that you guys do、uh, you guys do sales marketing as well as you、uh, source the materials. Products. Yeah. Products, right,、mm-hmm. from China. Yeah. So,、mm-hmm. how do you divide those different regions to cover such a big well, market? The market is very typical.、Um, there is a,、um, of course, in general, there is a line. And last, I just quite a, a few months ago, I, I saw an article uh, uh, talking about the China, this vast country. So, the most of the money and the most of the populations are living the. The quadrant, the east side of the quadrant, from all the way from Inner Mongolia, divided from Inner Mongolia all the way down to、uh, Ningxia,、uh, Shanxi, Sichuan, and down to where you are now, Yunnan. So that's the line counts for about、uh, a little bit less than half of the Chinese 
land, but I think it's more than 60 or 80% of the population live in this quadrant. And, and almost uh, all the economic activities are in this eastern quadrant. Okay, so that's the, the big divider. And that, this line, actually, they say, for almost the 2,000 years, never changed. Mm. So that's easier to comprehend. So even within this eastern quadrant, there are mostly, if someone wants to you know, divide the Chinese market as the uh, have a, some headquarters in the regional, to set up a regional headquarters. So one normally is in Beijing area, Beijing, Tianjin, that covers north and northeast China. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, northeast China, which most Americans know as the Manchuria, um, it's, you know, it's actually supposed to be pretty strong economically. Somehow, for some reason, in the past 30 years, they didn't develop as much they should be. So that's why, unfortunately, some people, they, you know, if they set up a headquarters, it would be in Shenyang. But many people, they just uh, does not have enough business to support to have a headquarters there. So they merge the headquarters, Shenyang headquarters, to Beijing. So then Beijing covers in the northeast and down to Shandong and maybe west to Shanxi, Shanxi and Henan area, that's all. That's the northern market. And then, the, of course, you have eastern market, eastern, which is center in Shanghai area, that's Yangtze River area. And uh, then you have a southern Chinese market that's around the Guangzhou, which is also American known as a Canton, and also Shenzhen. So that's for the southern market. And... Um, then you have a western market, which is mainly it's a Sichuan and Chongqing. That's, you know, Sichuan, Chongqing add together probably about 150 million people there. So that's the area also just being developed. So people separate into a separate region. So if you look at it, so mainly it's like uh, Beijing, Shanghai, Canton, Guangzhou, and Chengdu, Chongqing. So these four areas. And... If you take a look at it, it's very similar to what I mentioned before about the dialects, right? Mm-hmm. So the four dialects and these four regions. So, of course, the, the Sichuan is more like a Mandarin type. But anyway, that also shows that the, the language does affect the, the people, affect their subculture. So the way they conduct their business and the, how they, you know, Overall, of course, the Chinese business people and business are conducted based on the relationship basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's how, how most of the consumer products company, they divide the their regional business offices that way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, four areas. That's um, the, mm-hmm. if, if you just divide it in a very large part, four, four parts, four areas um, to cover mm-hmm. the whole China. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, the cities you mentioned are the ones that are more developed, and they become the center mm-hmm. of those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and also, by the way, some some company that start setting up the uh, central China office now, which is uh, around the Wuhan area. So that area has been, you know, start developing as well. Hmm. All right. We are going to take a quick break, and we will be back very soon. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you interested in expanding your business to China but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. In your business, are you on top of your PR game? 
PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public. Listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. We are back. This is In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm talking to Alex Liu, about Chinese New Year and the subculture in China. So, Alex, we talked about mm-hmm. the four or five regions inside China that how business or you divide the business right to cover the Chinese market. Now, let's zoom a little bit into the regions. Um, I think from different viewpoints to see the differences because we are talking about the subculture in China. Mm-hmm. One very typical way, I think, from the business side to look at is, well, what are the economic development level in those different regions? Um, for example, we can share with our audience uh, what are the regions that are more developed? And maybe from your business standpoint, uh, how, uh, which are the regions you focus more in order to generate a bigger revenue or bigger impact okay well this is a very big question but um, anyway as uh, people always say it's very um, uh, difficult to generalize uh, things and um, so what I say is just from my personal perspective as well as the personal experience and um, uh, as you know that uh, you know the, the doing business in China mostly also um, it's a relation based and and what type of people you happen to know and what kind of people we could have recruited and uh, so that's a will also lean to the uh, how well we are doing in different regions so now take example of the uh, our commercial group now uh, our commercial group the company uh, we appointed as a distributor is based out of Beijing so it's for commercial business Beijing is a good place because the northern China traditionally not as uh, as developed as the eastern region eastern region based in Shanghai and um, but eastern region is ever since 1930s and 40s in Shanghai already a pretty developed uh, city and um, after 1949 and almost like a 70% of uh, industrial products are made in Shanghai, so in the Shanghai area. So that's why Shanghai always been traditionally very well developed and have a very good base resource of a human 
resources. So, in other words, I will highly recommend. Uh, you know, uh, I think the Shanghai area has um, lots of uh, smart people there. And then next developed area is uh, due to the uh, 19, late 1970s uh, open door policy and start the Shenzhen and uh, Zhuhai economic, special economic zones to attract the Taiwanese and Hong Kong and also Macau, Singapore, and also uh, those uh, Chinese-based overseas capitals to invest in the Shenzhen area. So that start bringing Canton province become more industrialized because Canton province always been traditionally been that very agriculture, not as industrial. So, but since 1970s, Guangdong area become a much more faster growing than the Yangtze Delta. So that's why the Yangtze Delta actually started booming late 1990s. So that's now these two regions much you know, more developed than the rest of China. And uh, Beijing traditionally, Beijing area traditionally is a very much a political center. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Tianjin, Tianjin is the economic center, but somehow it's very interesting that Tianjin is always uh, one of the biggest cities in China. Yet the influence of Bei- Tianjin is much smaller than the, the rest of uh, big Chinese cities, even behind the Shenzhen and some other smaller cities than Tianjin. So that's, uh, of course, uh, Tianjin probably will be a, a subculture, will be a totally subject, uh, a separate subject to talk about. But um, anyway, uh, I come back to what I'm saying is that the, um, our company's most uh, revenue now is coming from the northern quadrant uh, because our strong partners there and they, they have been successfully uh, introduced our product uh, to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So, but they have been, you see, in China also, um, I, what I have seen in my consumer uh, division also, same thing, that I would say if some company, if some southern company, if they try to do business well in Shanghai, in that which I call the eastern region, or in the northern region, it's difficult. And um, unless you can find a good partner, uh, actually I saw some successes that they have a joint venture with the Northern Chinese. And, and because the, the somehow, some reason, I don't know, but um, they, they just don't, you know, the, the Southern way just doesn't work in the North that well. And, <laughs> and some people even generalize, they said the, the Northern Chinese they, I mean, from a consumer point of view, Northern Chinese, they will say the Northern Chinese buy things with emotion. So they say, oh, I got to get this, you know, with emotion. It's almost like Americans say the woman buy things with instinct. And, and then the Southern Chinese, they decide that their major purchase decisions based on the logic, more like a man. You know, I mean, I hate to use the sex as the <laughs> this, but the people joking about it. But uh, that's probably, you know, in the marketing area and some products market to the, the woman's market and some, you know, like make things more pinkish and more purplish. Um, so that's that's how um, the the northern and southern Chinese people behave, like in Shanghai. Uh, Shanghai people, majority Shanghai people, if they find out this factory the OEM for a very famous brand name of the West, and at the same time, they have their own brand, they will buy the generic local brand because mm-hmm. they say, oh, it's coming from the same factory. And, but then the Northern Chinese will say, no, 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 I still, i rather pay double the price, but I want to, I want to have this logo on my products. So that's, I will generalize that consumer behavior from the cultural background. So. so what you are saying is, um, just in very general uh, standpoint, the southern yes, Chinese yes, are more yes. are more uh, rational uh-huh. uh, compared to the northern one is more emotional <laughs> consumer. <Yes. laughs> well, yeah. I grew up in the northern part. You, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, from northern part, yes. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
So if we just look at from uh, inside one company, I uh, I think because uh, uh, I worked in China and in my company uh, we have people from north and the southern part, and uh, maybe mm-hmm. your company work with people coming from northern or southern part of China. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So in terms of those employees or the office workers or the you know the uh, intelligent <laughs> uh, people working mm-hmm. together what do you see in terms of the subcultural differences uh, impacting people's behavior or working style actually you know what i was saying just like i said it's dangerous to say to generalize things right and also uh, please remember that uh, you know i in america we don't have age discrimination but at the same time age uh, does make the perspective differently, right? So what I saw these things and feel these things more like um, for the people start working in 19, uh, before 1980s or, you know, uh, before the China totally opened to, I mean, open to the world market. Uh, I'm, what I'm saying is that these subcultures more stagnated before the 19. 19- 80 before 1990s because the the people more stationalized in their own region for the all their life so ever since 1980s the the labor market start moving so when the labor market start moving you can see that even within our company our small company with the less than 20 people we have a couples <coughs> we probably if i think about it we probably only have half of the our staff their wives or husbands are in the same province. And, and actually, another half is the interprovincial, <laughs> it's not interracial, but the interprovincial marriages. So, in other words, what I'm saying is that ever since 1990s, after that, the movement of the people really start uh, changing this kind of uh, stereotype of comments about the the more stagnate the cultural differences. Mm-hmm. So it start changing, yeah. So for the younger generation, you know, with, the, with all the internet things going and that kind of things, so this kind of a difference should be, logically, should be smaller and smaller. Yeah, and by the way, because yeah. you guys work with manufacturers, you source the products in China, so I think mm-hmm. it's, it will be really interesting to share our, our, with our audience about the migrant workers in China, and yeah, especially workers, when yes. the yeah, especially when the <clears throat> Chinese New Year come and uh, you see the, the huge uh, traffic in China, the flow of people from those mm-hmm. uh, big cities back to where they originally from. So people mm-hmm. move back to travel back to their. Uh, family or where they grew up uh, what, to mm-hmm. celebrate a holiday with their mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can share a little bit about this. Typically, how, when it starts and how the migrant worker like uh, their, you know, their, their rhythm of business <laughs> look like. Well, the only suggestion I could give to American friends, you know, we should try to avoid going to China to do business or for sightseeing. Try to avoid this rush. Chinese New Year celebration in the factory level normally uh, stop way before the, the big city's offices. So the office and government agencies, they officially only have like a, a couple of days before the Chinese New Year. Like they finish on the 14th of February and um, then resume a week after like I resume the work on the 22nd, you know, a week after the Chinese New Year. That's very typical. But for factories, they will start probably three, four, five days earlier and finish uh, three, five days later. So uh, very typical is like for this year's, uh, as for this year's example, this year they start from February 11th and finish on the February 24 or 25 and start resuming work on the 26. Wow, so that's it's a very almost long it's break. A two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, long break. Well, the reason, and also another thing is the Chinese culture things. Um, some of my American colleagues, they don't understand that. They say, well, Chinese never work. 
is that in the factory, according to Chinese labor law, they have a five days, five working days annual leave. Okay, so but the annual leave and the Chinese factories, they mandatory to put these five days into the Chinese New Year celebration. So in other words, the national Chinese, I think official is just three days. Uh, three days, and then plus this five days, it become eight days. Then you, you add in two weekends uh, between these eight days, there's two weekends. And then if you run into the weekends, and also Chinese also, that's the official, you know, the government will announce how to xiu, right? Mm-hmm. Xiu means to exchange the weekends with the weekdays. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, if the, if the holiday, uh, let me try to think. <laughs> if the holiday uh, is on the Thursday, on the Thursday is a holiday, then in Hong Kong, Hong Kong is the Western way. In Hong Kong, the Friday, everyone still go back to work. And then Saturday, they still have a weekends. But in China, that's different. If the holiday is on the, four, is, uh, on the Thursday, then they will be off on Friday as well and then make the Sunday working. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's how Chinese arrange their uh, long weekends. That's why some, sometimes people say, you know, like in China, they have a May, May 1st and also October 1st. Those are the two major breaks, too, that for the factories, they, they close. So then they, they switch the holidays to make the long, normally typical American long weekends is a three days long weekends. But in China, long weekends are between four to five or six days. So that's yeah. how they make it happen. So that one thing I think the, our American friends need to know. And, and that's how they make the Chinese uh, New Year celebration and why it is so long. And that but also connects be- to my point earlier, uh, the migrant mm-hmm. workers, because people, mm-hmm. you know, every Chinese will go back to their home to celebrate together with a family, not just the immediate mm-hmm. family, it's extended family. Mm-hmm. So for the migrant workers, they will take the time, travel from where they work, typically in bigger cities in the southern mm-hmm. or eastern part of China. Or, or the northern part of like the Beijing area. Then they travel back mm-hmm. to their uh, villages, right? It takes uh, mm-hmm. some time on the road then to celebrate mm-hmm. the holidays with their family. After mm-hmm. some time, and in China, as you mentioned, the, the, uh, the holiday, you know, for this particular one, Chinese New Year holiday, is, uh, it drags pretty long. Then they come back mm-hmm. to work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that's also, you know, uh, cause the, one is the tradition, we respect the tradition. The other thing is that's also caused the huge migrant of, you see the people, the flow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody's trying oh, to yeah, get, well, get a ticket to go back home. <laughs> that, that's why what I'm saying, I was saying, yes, well, I hope you can get back. <laughs> but anyway, I hope you, I mentioned that the story, our colleagues, they actually, they left our city, Weizhou in Guangdong, it's only about uh, five or 600 kilometers or 700 kilometers. That means like a 500 miles, around less than 500 miles and took them 12 hours to go through. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, stuck in the traffic. And, and some people, they even, you know, they bring their badminton racks. So they're playing badminton on the highway <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> to, to kill the time. So it's not really a traffic jam. It's not a traffic jam. So they turn the freeway into a parking lot. Um, uh, another reason also, uh, you know, the Chinese highway is a paved highway. So, but the, for the national holidays like this, uh, they, wave, they wave the toes. Yeah, so it's so, free and everybody is out on the road. Some people, yeah. they use the time to travel, to take a vacation, to go to other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's time yeah. for but, another break. So mm-hmm. we will take just a very quick time off uh, and uh, then we come back very soon. Stay tuned. America Business Network. 
the bottom line in business. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China, with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more, achieve more. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions, and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers. Together in conversations that make a difference, right here on the Voice America Business Channel, every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at VoiceAmerica.com and click Register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we're back now. So we are continuing the topic with Alex Liu on Chinese New Year and the subculture in China. Alex, we talked a little、mm-hmm. bit about these different regions, and we talked about the、uh, different styles in very high-level, general <laughs> kind of level.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think、uh, you have worked in China and in Asia for so many years.、Uh, worked with many different partners,、uh, Chinese people. Maybe another thing very useful to our audience is to. Think about、um, in China, how can Americans or foreigners, right, be very effective when they are working with Chinese partners,、uh, including、uh, the people、uh, you work with, manufacturers, and、uh, you work with channels and all kinds of people you have、uh, been engaging with. Okay. Well, again, I have to generalize again. I think the. Main thing, if you come to China, I think an English word that you come to Rome and do, you know, do Rome does. So you have to first of all have to respect the Chinese culture, no matter how different it is, and then the、um, to learn about Chinese culture. That's actually is very true for me too. Also, when we go to the different countries, that's first thing. Two, I think the、uh, Chinese culture is very much the same as the Aussie. Asian culture very similar. They are more kind of I would say a low contact person in a low contact culture, 
Low contact per- culture means they don't speak a lot. You know, you have to read the meaning between the words while they are trying to be polite. But the Americans, the Western cultures, is more like a high contact culture. High contact culture is that spell out everything. Yes is yes, no is no. But while okay. the Asian culture and Chinese culture is that they will say, uh, yeah, 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 but means no. So um, <laughs> that's why a lot of Americans, they, they get so frustrated, they say, they knock their head. While even India, they, in India, even more different. India, they said, the, when they shake their head, means yes. And when they knock their head, it means no. But <laughs> that's even more opposite. So then you have to learn about that. So um, in Chinese culture, we say, you know, a lot of time you can only point out to a certain point, make your point. If you deep, dip too deep, then you hurt the relationship. So let the other side to understand what you meant. But then that's most of the time drive Americans crazy, even drive me crazy. Now I'm kind of, uh, you know, bi-culture of American and Chinese. And, and they just, uh, you know, sometimes they do that and not really on purpose try to hurt you, but that's just the way they are. Uh, the, you know, uh, sometimes they, they just, I, I don't have exact example, but oftentimes I would encounter that kind of things. I, I didn't really record it down. So they would say, you know, could you do that? And then they would say, oh, well, you know, let's talk about this later. So when they say, let's talk about the later, that means it's no. So, but they don't want to say no straight to you. So, but then if you're American, you would think, oh, he would talk about later. So then you would keep on bugging him with the same issue. So that's, that's how the conflict started. The, the people, they would say, well, I already told you, talk to you later, so wait for me to come back. If I don't come back, that means I said no. Mm. So, well, I that, have an example that um, mm-hmm. I, the other day, I asked somebody about something. Normally, this person responded to me really quickly because uh, we have been mm-hmm. knowing each other for some time. But that time mm-hmm. when I asked her for something and no response. So I, mm-hmm. no response, uh, and I wasn't sure what's going on. I thought, oh, maybe mm-hmm. he didn't see it. So I sent again, mm-hmm. asking for the mm-hmm. same thing. Still no mm-hmm. response. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then the third time when I sent uh, uh, the same request uh, and I add one thing, it, it, I said, well, if it's a no or if you don't uh, feel comfortable to share this, just let me know. <laughs> then this time, yeah, 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 yeah. very polite uh, message, very, very polite message and a very mm-hmm. good excuse. <laughs> but uh, I got the message, oh, uh, it, it is a no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so the cultural difference is, uh, you know, like I say, you ain't come to China, you got to be knowing the local culture. And um, I think at the time approaching to finish, and before finish, I would like to share one story about the, the importance of knowing the difference. Otherwise, um, uh, some dangerous situation will happen. That's what happened to me. And in China, you know, I do drive in China. In China, you, when you drive, if you blink your headlights, to the other people, that means you are telling them that I'm, I'm coming through, right? In China, if someone wants to cross the street, or if someone wants to change the lane to your lane, you blink your headlights. That means I'm coming through, so don't try. But when I was in Phoenix one time, and I driving on the right-hand lane, and someone wants to come into the highway, uh, freeway, and I tried to telling him that, I'm coming through, then so I start automatically blink my headlights. But actually in Phoenix, blink the headlights means please coming in. <laughs> so I didn't realize that's a totally opposite and very dangerous things I did. So that's why the guy, finally, he was behind me and started honking at me. And at first, I, for a split second, I thought, I told you I'm coming through. But why are you still honking on me? Then I start realizing that maybe that's opposite meaning. And then, sure enough, after that, I find out that what I did was totally wrong in Phoenix. So I don't know the, the other states, but uh, Phoenix, that's culture. So if you do come to China, do drive. So when you try to let the other people in, you don't need to blink your headlights. So. That's, that's all. <laughs> yeah, there are many, that's also many, the, 
many things are mm-hmm. different. Uh, mm-hmm. Once you live here, uh, settle mm-hmm. down, you know, spend the time, uh, walk around or talk to people, you will find a lot of uh, more uh, those uh, subtle differences. I think mm-hmm. uh, the message here is just don't take it granted that uh, what you have been doing in other countries would be the same in China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, uh, last word is that also the um, lots of time because the English language is a second language, unless you can master Chinese. Otherwise, for them, when they speak English, their vocabulary is much limited. So what they say sometimes really does not really mean what they want to mean by in, in Chinese. So, and, and just bear that in mind as well. And, mm-hmm. and try to ask them to paraphrase a couple of times before c- c- jumping to the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think time is up. Let me just quickly uh, summarize what we have discussed today mm-hmm. and hopefully it's helpful to uh, our audience. Uh, we talked about the upcoming Chinese New Year and uh, through that little demonstration on how to greet in that day among our Chinese people, uh, we showed that China is really a big country. We have different dialects and we have um, different regions. Uh, we also shared the very basic way how usually business divide the China market into those four or five different regions. And uh, in a very generic way to, uh, or in a very high level, uh, the differences between those dif- uh, those regions. I think uh, we dig a little bit into the difference of American um, or Western culture versus the Eastern culture uh, in terms of uh, uh, communication as well as uh, the relationship uh, kind of uh, thing. Um, I hope that's helpful to our audience to remember the key point here is is not really helping you to understand every little point. The key point we want to make here is uh, when you come to a different uh, culture, different market, different country, uh, respect the local culture and uh, try to uh, learn from them, not just uh, take whatever is in your home, take it granted into the new uh, market or the new culture. By learning that new culture, it will help you to be more successful in your business. Okay, I think that's all for what we want to share today. Uh, I want to thank you so much, uh, Alex, and also thank our audience very much. Uh, it has been great to have you all here. And you can find more about uh, uh, Alex Liu by going to LinkedIn and uh, follow Alex Liu. The last name is L-U. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. I hope to see you again next week. Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhou. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 